0: You're listening to the SSDN Green Minds Podcast. I'm Laurel Creech, co-host of the podcast series, along with Catherine Mercer Baggett. And on this podcast, we are featuring the best of 2021 from SSDN cities all across the Southeast region. So both Catherine and I had the opportunity to talk to five different cities. So it's gonna be highlighting those in order. First, I'm gonna be talking to Alex from Fulton County. Then Catherine's gonna be talking to Helen From Winston-Salem. Then I'll be back to Orange County talking with Jeff. And then Catherine's going to be talking to Durham, North Carolina with Paul Cameron. And then off to Chapel Hill with John Richardson and Brennan Boma. So that's all here on the SSDN podcast. So let's get started. My first guest is Alan Trachtenberg with Fulton County. Here's my conversation with Alex here on the SSDN Green Minds podcast. How's it going, Alex? How are you?
1: It's going well. How are you, Laurel?
0: Good. Thank you. And so Alex, you are the manager energy and sustainability of energy and sustainability for Fulton County Government in the Department of Real Estate and Asset Manager. Uh, So you can talk a a little bit about what you do and how long you've been at Fulton County Government.
1: Yeah. Um, So I started with Fulton County um, in about middle of 2021, about middle of this year in May and uh, I was with uh, a nonprofit called South Face for a little more than nine years before that, uh, sustainability nonprofit based here in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, where I live. And um, just to clarify, Atlanta is in Fulton County. Uh, Fulton County is made up of 15 uh, municipalities. So um, we're the county, but uh, the municipalities have their own jurisdiction, their own governments, you know, they really handle much of their zoning and code of ordinances and their own programming and policy development. Now, we certainly uh, like to partner with our uh, fellow municipalities in the county and uh, work to implement a variety of sustainability and resiliency oriented uh, programs and policies um, across the jurisdiction, uh, whether it's with other governments or with community members and residents. And ultimately, you know, what I'm responsible for in my role as the energy and sustainability manager is the implementation of our Uh, 2019 sustainability and resilience plan and that covers uh, six priority areas relating to climate change mitigation uh, social equity and smart transit high performance county infrastructure education outreach and green jobs training placement uh, partnerships and uh, budgetary and funding appropriation or allocations as well so uh, we actually have the money to pay for all the things that we need to do to Uh, help improve our environment and our communities and have a more sustainable quality of life.
0: Wow, that's a a lot uh, on your plate to do, but it's very exciting. Uh, How many, would you say, how many residents is in your jurisdiction?
1: Yeah, Fulton County has over a million residents. Uh, We're the most populous, uh, arguably the most diverse county in the state of Georgia. Uh, Georgia if it's not the state with the most counties, uh, Texas, I know, has a lot. Uh, We have 159 counties, Um, so we have a lot of local governments across the state, but Fulton County is uh, the predominant county in the metro Atlanta area um, and the uh, municipal planning uh, organization area or the Atlanta Regional Commission, Um, but we're the most populous, most diverse, and um, it's it's a pretty big geography, a lot of square miles, uh, running all the way from the city of Alpharetta all the way down south to uh, uh, Paul Meadow, Georgia, and Chattahoochee Hills, and uh, we've got Atlanta uh, is more in central uh, portion of the county.
0: And with being in the Department of Real Estate and Asset Management, it sounds like your your role in sustainability is probably broader than just that. Like I'm in General Services, but my my role with sustainability implementation is broader than just city buildings?
1: Yeah, Um, you know, our, um, our department is certainly mostly responsible for our facilities, our administrative buildings, um, and our assets in our land. Um, And we respond to a lot of the maintenance and building improvement requests and uh, manage a lot of the capital improvement projects as well. Um, But, yeah, it includes all of a variety of our portfolio facilities, uh, libraries, health centers, um, senior centers, um, et cetera, as well as our administrative buildings and and government buildings and and courthouses and the jail. And gosh, there's there's a lot of them. We have, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess, about about 100 facilities across the county, Um, but certainly gets outside of our uh, internal uh, operations as well. Uh, do a lot of partnership and community uh, work and collaboration with um, a variety of communities across uh, the county uh, just to provide any assistance that we can um, work on um, a variety of programs and projects and and activities in this space
0: that's great well it looks like you've had some great accolades in the calendar year of 2021 you know a lot of Folks, with a, even though we are still sort of somewhat in a pandemic, does not mean yeah. that we can't continue doing the great work we do? And um, a lot of us have been busy doing some uh, phenomenal work and treading the way and uh, leading by example and want to highlight a few of those things, Alex. So first of all, um, in July, congratulations for the National Association of Counties awarding you the Achievement Award for Government Resiliency. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're you're right. It's uh, it's it's been an interesting start to uh, my new role with the county uh, in the last six months, and coming out of you know the height of the pandemic, but certainly still being in the pandemic and, and having all of the uh, resulting impacts socially and economically, and and just yeah, all the hardship that we're all experiencing. A lot of us, you know, more than others, certainly. if we're looking at it from an equity perspective, right? So we're just trying to pick up the ball and uh, get the momentum rolling again. And we're really proud to uh, receive the recognition from the National Association of Counties for the work that we're doing with our library system. So all 32 of our libraries uh, have gone through a capital improvement program uh, for renovations and new constructions. And um, all of those are uh, either have achieved or in the process of achieving uh, LEED green building rating system certifications. Uh, At least silver, some gold, and we've got one platinum at Cleveland Avenue Library in in Hapeville, Georgia.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Uh, Not not an easy feat for sure, but something we try and do for all of our capital projects um, and buildings uh, over 10,000 square feet to achieve a green building uh, certification. And, uh, you know, we're really trying to, you know, push the envelope on it. Uh, We're putting in uh, solar installations at some of our libraries. And uh, we're also developing and implementing our first resilience hub at our Metropolitan Library uh, in Southwest Atlanta to be able to prepare residents and community members for uh, emergencies and disruptions and hazards that are already here, and those that are coming uh, and having a place to go with resilient power and water supply, as well as just a day-to-day resource center like it already functions, but just making sure it's as in tune with uh, community members and local residents' needs and priorities um, across a variety of aspects to enhance their uh, community resiliency.
0: And obviously, probably that facility has uh, renewable energy if it's in and of itself is a resilience hub.
1: It does. Uh, We completed a 100 kilowatt uh, solar installation at Metropolitan Library and, um, and, and some other facilities have installations as well.
0: Has the Resilience Hub opened yet and is already starting to do some trainings?
1: <clears throat> Not yet. Um, we were fortunate to receive a uh, grant by the Southeast Sustainability Directors Network and the Southeast Sustainable Communities Fund in 2020. Um, we extended that project for a year due to COVID and, and the challenges that uh, we all experienced and communities certainly experienced uh, to give ourselves more time. So, Uh, We've been working on that now for, uh, gosh, um, almost two years, uh, coming up to it. And have done a lot of analysis, assessment work. We did an evaluation of a few candidate sites um, and uh, did a lot of community engagement and partnership and kind of co-design work on on really what the needs and priorities are for what people need to see across the five layers of a resilience hub, uh, being power systems, building a landscape, programming and services, operations and communications, and ultimately uh, made the decision that the best best option for now uh, with the uh, limited funding that we do have, uh, but is uh, substantial enough to support the implementation of one hub uh, would be Metropolitan Library. So we're actively working on final design and installation of systems now and plan to have the hub operational uh, by um, at the existing facility, of course, uh, by mid uh, 2022, at the latest by the end of next year. But we're doing the best we can to get it all done by middle of 22.
0: Well, that's exciting. And uh, that would be interesting. That's something I would actually like to see is how you're doing that. We're building a library here in Nashville, mm-hmm. Tennessee. And um, I'm sure that part of the reason you got an SSD in grant was to lead by example and to share your practices and what you're doing down in Fulton County, Georgia.
1: Always happy to share um, any lessons learned as we've gotten the network. Um, so yeah, happy to.
0: Great. Um, and then in addition, Alex, you also have received um, some other accolades in December. You completed a phase one solar energy procurement agreement and did sol- is it four and seven solar installations?
1: Yeah. So by the end of this year, very early next year, Uh, we will have completed seven solar installations at um, some of our facilities. So Mm -hmm. mostly a mixture of libraries and health centers, um, all rooftop solar arrays. Um, We'll have a little less than 600 kilowatts, so a little bit more than a half a megawatt of solar energy in this first phase of installations. And we're doing it through um, a really advantageous and beneficial financing arrangement, Um, something that's known in most other states as a power purchase agreement. Uh, We call it something different here in Georgia, for whatever reason, Uh, politics, I suppose. Uh, Solar Energy Procurement Agreement, or a SEPA. So we don't pay any upfront capital. Uh, We don't have any long-term O&M. We have a third-party provider that puts up the financing and handles the operations and maintenance over a 20-year agreement. And uh, we get the benefits of clean, renewable energy at a reduced uh, and reliable and competitive rate compared to what we pay uh, to traditional electric utilities. Um, So we're seeing some great savings already uh, just on a few of the facilities that have been operational for a few months, um, already saving about $12,000, reducing our emissions and um, really demonstrating um, what's possible and that rooftop distributed generation solar works here in Georgia, and is an opportunity in the residential, commercial, industrial sectors, um, and something we certainly want to be a part of growing, um, and leading on. And certainly uh, hope that we can do more um, in future years. And something that we're planning for.
0: That's great. And the did you all do a solar assessment, feasibility assessment, to determine which sites to do the installations on?
1: <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, so we looked at our current rates, we did a rate analysis uh, to see what kind of rates we were on with our current uh, electric utilities, uh, see what opportunities uh, there were to change and adjust those rates uh, to different tariffs. Um, Also see what uh, would be most uh, beneficial with a solar installation. Uh, We did some building assessments and site visits and did some structural engineering assessments as well and looked at building drawings and energy and utility data as well. Uh, to really figure out, you know, uh, which sites initially would, would be the best ones for to look at uh, for some installations and then to actually uh, implement them and uh, also to plan for some future phases as well.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exciting, uh, which obviously supports resiliency as well. Absolutely. That's great. And then one other item after, I'm sure there's so many more to share, And Alex, but uh, the the resolution that commission the Board of Commissioners passed supporting small farms and urban ag.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, this was really led by, um, we've got a great uh, group of community members that are appointed by our Board of Commissioners. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a long name, but the Fulton County Citizens Commission on the Environment, or we call it the FCCCE, lots of C's. Um, is uh, a group of appointed uh, residents from across the county, and um, they have uh, a set of strategic goals that they've set out, and urban agriculture uh, was one at the top, and they've got some really great leaders um, in, on the commission, such as uh, Rashid Nouri um, and Chris Lemons, and those members you know, really did a lot of the heavy lifting, drafting of the resolution, Uh, We engaged with some of the commissioners um, for their thoughts, their comments, and it was a good collaborative process to uh, draft the resolution, uh, um, get it onto the agenda, and fortunately uh, have the board uh, unanimously unanimously approve it and adopt it um, in October. And ultimately, you know, we're just trying to set the tone and say that urban agriculture Uh, small farms, local food production, um, sustainable food um, is really important here. We have a lot of food insecurity um, here um, in the county and certainly across the nation and the region, right? But um, something we want to see more of, we want to see it it be as as easy as possible for folks to be able to install gardens, whether it's a community garden or something at their home or a small farm for production uh, where they could sell the goods, um, you know, at a local market and be able to make sure that as best as we can, we can support that that infrastructure um, and partner with the other municipalities um, across the county uh, to do so and and work with other departments uh, within Fulton County uh, to make it happen. So uh, a lot more work to do on that, but it's great to have this foundational resolution uh, to go off of and and to have this leadership and commitment um, supported by our board.
0: Well, congratulations on that as well. Well, Alex, it's quite a diversity of accolades that uh, you've been leading, especially with your so far short term um, at Fulton County government. So congratulations from resiliency to uh, solar energy to ag and small farms and so much more. Uh, If folks want to visit and learn more about what you're doing, what's the best way to do you have a website or contact information?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks again Laurel yeah it's 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 been a great year um, and, and it's it's been a great start with Fulton county um, yeah definitely check out our web page uh, that's accessible at Fulton Countyga.gov um, forward slash sustainability. And you can certainly reach out to me as well, uh, Alex.tractenberg T-R-A-C-H-T-E-N-B-E-R-G at FultonCountyGA.gov. Uh, happy to chat, happy to share, and um, yeah, yeah, those are probably the best ways to find out more and get in touch.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on the SSDN Green Minds podcast and sharing the great work that you do. And uh, we'll definitely be checking back in with you to see how these projects are going and hear about new ones as well.
1: Sounds good. My pleasure. Thank you, Laurel.
0: You're listening to the SSDN Green Minds podcast. That was Alex Trachtenberg from Fulton County. Now we're going to head over to Catherine. She had a great conversation with Helen Paplowski from Winston-Salem.
2: Hi, Helen. Thank you for accepting our invitation. Uh, Before we talk solar, would you mind introducing yourself?
3: sure yeah thanks for having me um i am helen paplowski i am the director of sustainability for the city of winston-salem in north carolina um i've been in this role for a few years a little bit over three years now
2: tell us about this uh this solar installation how did it get started and how was it successful
3: we're actually we haven't installed anything yet however this is really exciting news for us in, in Salem, even acquiring this funding, because there have has never been any funding for any kind of solar projects like this from the city for city facilities ever before. Um, so this was the first time we've been successful and we require or we acquired, excuse me, $125,000, which I mean, for the first, first go of it, I feel is is a pretty good Uh, step in the right direction for us, a really good starting point. I think if I had to attribute this to to anything, I I believe that there is some tie back to our um, recently passed resolution for the Clean Renewable Energy, 100% Clean Renewable Energy by 2050. Uh, That was passed in November of 2020. Um, but then I also decided to apply for this funding through our capital improvement project process, which I, I don't know anyone had ever done before, which is interesting. I mean it fits that, that type of project pretty well in, in terms of you know a higher cost item and a longer term project. And so you know, whether it be because I you know went through the tried and true processes of local government, or you know how much of it was related to that resolution? I don't know. I, I wasn't a part of that decision-making process, but you know we were at least able to justify it. I think a little bit more because of that resolution. And then of course you know it's becoming a, a louder and louder conversation nationwide, worldwide, really, about renewable energy. So I think that there was also maybe you know some pressure to to take this step as a local government as well. So really, it was just the perfect storm, I think, to to pursue something like this much more seriously. That's at least what I'm attributing all of this to. And um, because it is part of that CIP process, we're actually slated to get to, to receive more funding in the next few years. So First year we got 125,000, but by the end of it, we'll have acquired about 225,000. You know, looking at it that way too, it's it's pretty significant, and we'll see what ends up happening in terms of where these, you know, systems will end up, what types of facilities. But um, I, I I know that visibility is a big thing for our elected officials, so I imagine they'll be in some hopefully pretty. Uh, pretty highly visible places to the public so they they know that we're also taking these steps.
2: That sounds very exciting. Congratulations. Uh, very Thank happy you. for you. That's a big win.
3: <laughs> yeah, it uh, is. It feels good.
2: <laughs> looking forward to the next year, what are the exciting projects awaiting you?
3: Of course, you know, we're we're going to be, I think, finally installing some of the some of these solar panels in the next year. Um, Well, and I'm sure beyond that as well, um, especially with some of that regularly occurring funding, but um, that'll be exciting. Um, We're sort of just now at the beginning processes of that. So digging more into, you know, the analysis or acquiring assistance and and the contracted work will be great uh, to finally start doing. But um, we're also actually going to be doing some work around our recycling program. In Winston-Salem, the recycling program is part of our Office of Sustainability. That's part of my work as well. Um, That'll be a pretty big undertaking. We've had our our current contract for 10 years. So this is the first time in a while it's been looked at, but that'll be a big one. Um, And then really excitingly, I think, we're going to be doing more around some food resilience work. So we we have a position in the department now dedicated to food resilience and a local program that we have called think orange. A lot of the work that has been done on that project has been completely shifted over the last two years because of COVID fingers crossed that we're sort of making our way through that, that pandemic that hopefully we'll be able to, to get back to some form of normalcy and, and really amp up some of those food programs, which, of course, have been incredibly helpful in the last year or two, but, um, you know, maybe shifting the focus back towards, you know, serving the the community as a whole, and improving the uh, equitable distribution of our food, uh, and improving the food systems and connecting all of that a little bit more so still pretty broad at this point but uh, definitely something that will continue to develop over the next couple of years
2: That sounds great You'll definitely keep busy and yes. uh, we'll make sure to to check in with you next uh, next December. Yeah, now it has progressed
3: <laughs> Yes, hopefully I have some exciting stuff to report. But yeah, we we have a very enthusiastic person in that food role who is is very eager to to get her hands on some some of the current projects and and to start some new things too. So I I hope to have some of that good news for you.
2: <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and uh, all the best for the end of the year.
3: Yeah, great. Thank you so much. And same to you.
2: That was a conversation
0: with Winston-Salem's Helen Paplowski, hosted by Catherine, co-host here on SSDN Green Minds podcast. And now we're going to head on over to Orange County, Florida, where I had the opportunity to talk to Jeff Benavides. And here's my conversation with Jeff here on the Green Minds podcast. We are listening to the SSDN Green Minds podcast, continuing our conversation about the great accolades and successes of our cities in the SSDN network, including Orange County. And I'm so excited to have with me Jeff Benavidez, who is on uh, to talk about the great successes that Orange County has had this past calendar year. And how's it going, Jeff? You doing all right?
4: Laurel, I'm doing great down here in sunny Orlando, Florida.
0: Great. Well, thank you. You serve as the Chief Sustainability and Resilience Officer for Orange County. And how long have you been in that role?
4: Laurel, I'm actually celebrating uh, two years this week as we're talking.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. Two years. Wow. You started right at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't you?
4: Yes. In fact, the best and worst time to start a position, uh, we were immediately activated into the Emergency Operations Center as things were Just about to get started and so I I pretty much had a a month on the job meeting a few folks and then immediately lockdown and activation started but it was actually a bittersweet just because we were able to uh, I personally hadn't started any big initiatives at that time and it was actually a wonderful learning experience and dove right into some of our response efforts early on.
0: That's great and sometimes when you are doing response you end up meeting a lot more people than than you would have if you weren't during a response effort so that was probably also another positive perhaps even if it was virtually you get to interact with a lot more people um so jeff can you talk talk to me about a little bit of the difference for those who are listening in about so orange county is uh, it's inclusive and in florida around the orlando area so what is the difference between the work um, of orange county in florida compared to the city of orlando
4: Sure, thanks for asking that question because ironically, I answer this a lot for our community members. There's somewhat of an identity crisis here in Central Florida. Uh, We have Orlando, which is the largest city in Orange County, but there are 12 other cities and towns within Orange County, Florida, including Winter Park, City of Apopka, City of Winter Garden, City of Maitland, Lake Buena Vista, and a variety of other uh, smaller cities but we all make up what is Orange County. And what's also unique about us is we've got about 1.4 million people that live within the County and the County serves as a strong County form of government where we directly serve about 890,000 people that call us, you know, their city government, essentially, Um, direct full services, just like they were to live in an incorporated area. So it's very unique for, counties to have that Um, and we actually have a strong mayor form of government making us the only other county in florida aside from miami-dade county that has a mayor Uh, so we have six commissioners and a mayor uh, that runs orange county so that's why i mentioned and i kid around of identity crisis because we have orlando mayor buddy dyer a long long standing figure in our community But then we have a Orange County mayor, uh, which currently is Mayor Demings, uh, which I started when he was appointed mayor and uh, elected mayor. And that is why I was kidding around with the identity crisis. But it is a real issue here in our community.
0: It sounds like um, the identity crisis might be more of the citizens um, with with confusion about what Orange County is versus Orlando, but it sounds like you do a lot of collaboration, positive collaboration with the surrounding cities and municipalities in the region.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And we actually have, um, you know, among a variety of other collaboration uh, that we do, whether it's our transportation infrastructure, we have a Central Florida Expressway Authority, which is the toll road infrastructure, our airport uh, uh, board, as well as our transportation board. So we do quite a bit of collaboration with all of the cities. Um, and in fact, throughout the pandemic has been uh, implementing a variety of new ways of how we've collaborated with each of those cities. So. I think after this pandemic, everyone understands now some of the roles and responsibilities of the cities, as well as the county. Um, So it's actually, you know, from that perspective, it has been an interesting communications and uh, a governmental exercise, a civics lesson for everyone, if you will.
0: And so some of the things we're going to talk about uh, today, some highlights from 2021. So um, you had mentioned around 190,000 residents. Is that the, the things that we're going to talk about? Is that the sort of the, the, the landscape of the constituents in terms of population numbers that this affects?
4: Yeah, and that's 890,000.
0: 890,000, my yep. apologies, 890,000, yeah, so, much so bigger.
4: Have, <laughs> exactly, yeah, we've got a lot of folks that um, that are within Orange County direct uh, jurisdiction, uh, whether it means our codes and ordinances, et cetera. Some of our codes and ordinances, as many other counties throughout the country, uh, are countywide, but some codes and ordinances and policies and programs only relate to those folks that are living uh, within the mm-hmm. unincorporated area, so mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, programs. Again, we try to be inclusive and try to think about this as one community and one county. But as uh, as all of the listeners here uh, can attest, it does become challenging once we start um, layering all these different complexities of jurisdictional boundaries.
0: Mm-hmm. So starting off with the beginning of 2021 in January, uh, Orange County launched its first of its kind five-year Sustainable Operations and Resilience Action Plan. So congratulations for that. Are there any highlights you want to mention in that?
4: Thank you. Yes, a couple of highlights uh, to that plan was an inward-facing internal action plan, and it was kind of the direction of our mayor as well as our county administration to say before we look what we can do across the community which the county had been doing a variety of sustainability efforts for many years prior to my arrival here uh we really wanted to take this time to look under the hood if you will and make some of these improvements as well as strategic alignments and making sure that we were walking the talk as as best we could so we created this internal action plan, which I'm super proud of, Uh, if it wasn't for some of the leadership and the dedication and direction that I had uh, to make sure that we had this completed by the end of uh, within within a short time, it would not have happened. And I take it out and obviously owe it to all of our team members that collaborated for this action plan, which was done completely in-house with very little outside expertise we of course um, collaborated with other cities and municipalities um, folks at icly and u.s green building council to help us through the technical analysis but it was a true testament of how skilled our in-house staff was uh, to and i kind of did that intentionally so that they could see that they had the power to make some of this uh, change so this action plan is laid out with 17 goals. There's six different focus areas ranging from fleet to natural land management, to energy and water, uh, to materials management, and it kind of spreads the whole gamut of our county operations across the community.
0: And Jeff, is it up to you to oversee the implementation of that?
4: Yes. Uh, So my position is created in an interdepartmental and cross-departmental position inside our county administration. So it's my job to work across all of our departments um, and divisions. We have about 74 divisions in the county and 8,000 employees to really implement these day-to-day actions. Um, And I also didn't mention that we try to make it so that it's a three to five-year. We had one-year goals, three-year goals, and five-year goals um, to try to make it not so long-term. Um, so that we can keep refreshing this plan as we go.
0: Excellent, well, congratulations on that. And uh, five years, it's a great five-year strategy and uh, you're already almost one year into it. And so let's talk about some of the other things that you accomplished after launching the action plan. So then about six months later, uh, Orange County kicked off the Sustainable Materials Management Master Plan study. So tell me a little bit about that.
4: Sure. Uh, The SMMP, we're calling it, or the uh, Capital Improvement Plan for our solid waste operations is what this is. Uh, This is a new approach to our landfill, county-owned landfill, which is one of the largest in the Southeast, uh, really trying to change the narrative of not just the landfill and recycling operations and trash, but really trying to build us into the future of sustainable materials management as most of you all have probably seen some of the shifts at EPA making that shift of materials management being the focused um, around that circularity and building that circularity and those concepts through everything we do on all of our services. So this is a 10-year plan um, that is a capital improvement analysis as well as a study of what type of infrastructure services could Orange County continue to provide um, out to the community with our landfill operations, as well as our solid waste collection operations that are frankly rather distributed across our community where each municipality has their own control of their solid waste and recycling. So it really tries to paint this picture of of the impossible uh, or of what the possible is, I should say. Um, and what type of economic development we'd like to have out of our waste infrastructure, um, an analysis of a variety of different uh, options that we have for our landfill operations, gasifications, food waste, uh, a, a bunch of different scenarios that are in there. So, we're super excited about this uh, plan and study um, to really help us influence our capital improvement program and change the way that we do business with our uh, Orange County Utilities Department.
0: Excellent. Well, that's, I know, uh, waste reduction is, especially C&D waste and food waste is something that many cities across, not only the Southeast, but across the country are diligently and vitally needing to work on. So congratulations on getting that kicked off as well. And then it looks like a month after that in July, uh, Orange County awarded 13 million for 500 plus high performance and energy efficient housing units to be built by 2023. That's a quite a hefty number of housing units and pretty exciting. So talk a little bit about that, Jeff.
4: Sure. So uh, this is really exciting. And for those of you that are uh, housing uh, buffs, it would be really good for you to check out our housing for all action plan. Um, The Housing for All Action Plan was one of the Mayor Deming's uh, running points of affordable housing and really trying to put uh, dollars into uh, our housing efforts here locally. Um, So the Housing Trust Fund uh, was established with that Housing for All Action Plan in 2019. Um, This was actually before I got started. Um, But essentially, it is a trust fund that was uh, self-funded by the county that could be leveraged money out into the community with a variety of other stakeholders that could pitch into that trust fund, as well as developers can pull money out of that trust fund and utilize it to build uh, housing units um, that they need to show a variety of different requirements. And now what we've done is we've actually tied one of those requirements uh, as part of high performance and energy efficiency. So um, aside from you know transit oriented development and all these wonderful planning items that we have in the plan, just this one line item was something that is brand new this year. Uh, We're now tying these affordable housing trust fund dollars to performance as well as energy efficiency. Some of the basic items that everyone is well aware of, high efficiency AC units, high efficiency lighting, um, we even have considerations for uh, water efficient landscaping, um, tree planting pr- practices, et cetera. So all the standard green building features, we kind of created a small checklist for our uh, housing developers that are tapping into this fund to be required to use uh, these dollars to, uh, to to build some of this and have these uh, features be required to uh, into these housing complex. And the reason why we did that with the The number one priority is to reduce the total cost of housing and that housing affordability and, of course, where that energy, utility, and maintenance costs uh, come into play. So that's really our intent and our key goal there um, with passing some of those requirements. Mm
0: -hmm. And leaning by example by doing so. Absolutely. And then, Jeff, shortly after that, uh, you know, open space preservation is extraordinarily important so we can preserve lands for today and tomorrow. So, looks like you, um, the Orange County, uh, launched a $100 million land acquisition initiative to preserve 23,000 acres. That's pretty significant. Um, Are these uh, land owned? Um, acquisitions, uh, like privately landowner uh, acquisitions, that's being worked on, and then, and then the next question is: once those are acquired, would that work? Will the parks department, or who will end up managing that land?
4: Yep, all good questions. So um, these, uh, we we're one of the only counties in the state that don't have a dedicated fund for preservation of environmentally sensitive lands. And this uh, program that we established back in the 90s, uh, the Board of County Commissioners in Orange County established that program in the 90s called Green Place, which was an acquisition initiative, but funding to that initiative uh, fell, it it did not get prioritized for several years. So this new uh, tranche of funding for $100 million into that fund um, now will allow us to purchase Uh, parcels of land, um, whether it's from a private owner or from a developer, whoever it is, uh, parcels of land in order to be put into preservation. Um, We do have a variety of criteria with these lands. Um, You asked the question about parks and recreation, and it's actually managed by our Environmental Protection Division because these lands are they do have an intent and there is room for ecotourism, but very passive ecotourism amenities. Mm. We really want to strive for wildlife corridors, protection of watersheds, um, very environment, truly environmentally sensitive lands that are not just park lands to be used for recreation. So um, they get put into this bank and are managed accordingly. And like I said, we, we will open up ecotourism opportunities, hiking trails, et cetera, Uh, very passive uh, type recreational opportunities in portions of these lands. But of course, these lands are meant to be for preserved um, that are joined by a state forest next door or another preserve that's owned by federal lands or state lands. Um, So we're trying to be very intentional about uh, how we spend this money uh, and acquire these parcels strategically.
0: Excellent. Well, I think there's probably some things to be learned from Nashville on that are when we do land acquisitions, it usually goes to our parks department and our parks department is severely underfunded in their operating budget. And so the land, um, gratefully, is is preserved for generations, but it's also um, not really... Cared for, and then we have um, constituents who are wondering what we're doing with it. We don't really know what we're doing with it yet. So um, it sounds like Orange County has done a good, good process of uh, putting together this environmental management component that um, is a little different than turning it over to a Parks and Rec department.
4: Yeah, and I also want to point out that this challenge of 23,000 acres was also a key point for Mayor Demings uh, when he took office as a a campaign and promise uh, to the constituents of Orange County to really prioritize and do this intentional preservation. So, super exciting that we actually have this dedicated funding uh, for the first time in decades uh, that is, is truly reserved for this purpose only.
0: Excellent. Well, now moving on to renewable energy. So Orange County joined along the city of Orlando um, as founding signers of the Orlando Utilities Commission 100% Solar Pledge. Woo! So tell me what that is.
4: Sure. So those of uh, your listeners that uh, follow the city of Orlando's efforts, which is a gem here in Florida, um, they were actually just recognized by ACEEE for becoming a clean cities and they've moved up into the clean city energy rankings over the years. So super exciting uh, work that the city of Orlando has been working on over the time. Um, And with that, they've been taken along the Orlando Utilities Commission, which is a municipal utility um, that is partially uh, controlled, but also separate as far as uh, decision-making ability and with a separate board of directors and commissioners uh, from the city. But it's, uh, I bring it up just because this was a ex- super exciting pledge that we joined uh, the city of Orlando and Orlando Utilities Commission on um, to help offset our own operations. Uh, we have in our action plan that I mentioned earlier, a goal to reach 100% renewable energy by 2035. And this is just one step and one tool for us to be using that. This is a community solar program that OUC has started for us um, which they're, developed, uh, they're developing and developed offsite uh, solar for us to purchase in this community solar model. So this uh, program is now available for residential, which has been open for many years now, since 2017. And now it's for the first time open up to private businesses, as well as any local government, which we're the largest customer of Orlando Utilities Commission, which is about 30 to 40% of our total operational footprint. And that's why it said it's just one tool because uh, to reach 100%, we're gonna have to work with our other utilities as well in the region to uh, get creative, but at least we have this wonderful community solar pledge tool um, at our disposal
5: here.
0: And and we've talked a bunch of many things, Jeff, where can folks learn more information, not only about the solar pledge, but um, the plan, the original sustainable operations and resilience plan and the sustainable materials management plan. And also um, anything else that we discussed today, is there a go-to website we can send our listeners to?
4: Yes, I try my best to keep our website updated with working with all of our departments. So I apologize if some of this is not on here. We do have a OCFL.net sustainability as well. You can follow Orange County government on a variety of Facebook and social media channels. You can also follow me directly on LinkedIn. I try to be more intentional there. Um, And to learn more about the Orlando Utilities Commission program, it's called OUC-collective.com. And this is a new program, like I said, is uh, making it available to businesses, residential, and local governments. So super exciting stuff we've got going down here in the southeast and really just keeping uh, our uh, capacity going across our different municipalities, as well as other peer local governments in our region.
0: Excellent. And we didn't even get to some of the successes just this past month in November with Orange County launching a backyard chicken ordinance and a Approving a commercial PACE ordinance and launching an economic diversification initiative. So, so much more we didn't have a chance to visit uh, today, but uh, kudos, Jeff, for all the great work you're doing. And I think um, there's a lot of non consolidated city counties across our region and SSDN and beyond. And being able to tout the success that you have done with Orange County and the municipalities around and uh, surrounding that has been really. Um, uplifting. And I think it's probably a testament to what can be done in other cities and their collaborations with city county efforts.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity, Laurel. And of course, for all of our SSDN peers and FSDN peers to really help us bring forward uh, regional resilience and work together to achieve all of these goals.
0: You listen to SSDN green mind podcast. And that was a conversation that I had with Orange County's Jeff Benavides. Now we head back over to Catherine where she had a conversation with Paul Cameron from Durham, North Carolina.
2: Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation. Uh, Before we get into the technical details of the project you want to talk about, would you mind introducing yourself, please?
5: Sure. Thanks for inviting me on the podcast, Catherine. Uh, My name is Paul Cameron, and I work for the City of Durham, North Carolina. Uh, I'm in the General Services Department, and my job title is Sustainability and Energy Analyst. So I work to um, manage and develop the city's sustainability programs.
2: Thank you. Let's talk about this action plan. Do you mind just giving us a a brief description of what it is and Um, Let us know what what were the driver and how did it get started?
5: Sure. Just to give you a little background, our city council passed a resolution in 2019 that set some ambitious um, climate and energy goals for the city, specifically using 80% renewable energy in buildings and operations by 2030, achieving carbon neutrality by 2040, and using 100% renewable energy in buildings and operations by 2050. And the resolution also called on the city to develop an an action plan towards uh, reaching those goals. Uh, That was approved in uh, the resolution was approved in 2019 in the spring. And then in the fall, we issued an RFP um, for consulting firms to develop a carbon neutrality and renewable energy action plan. We actually had to issue the RFP twice. The first time uh, we hadn't budgeted enough money, as it turned out, to develop the plan. We would underestimated how much it would cost. So we only got one response to the RFP. So I did a follow-up survey with the, the companies that did not respond. And, and that was the, the feedback I got was that we needed to budget more, more funds. So we did that. I reissued the RFP in February of 2020, and we got 10 responses that time. And uh, we had a search committee set up of uh, representatives from various um, city and county departments. And we chose uh, GDS Associates to um, develop our plan. They're based in Marietta, Georgia, um, outside Atlanta. It was a year-long process. We started in July of 2020. It was finished in June of 2021. It's a very detailed report. Uh, We were very pleased with the outcome. Uh, We presented it to our city council and mayor and received a lot of positive feedback uh, on the plan. And GDS Associates was, was wonderful to work with. They're very professional. Very thorough in their approach and really gave us a a very clear blueprint towards these um, ambitious goals that were set by our city.
2: Right. Those goals seem to be very ambitious. Um, So what do you think made this project the success that it is now?
5: Well, of course, the hard part is implementing the plan. I think we're just getting started with that. We did, when we um, began developing the plan, we had a kickoff meeting with representatives from various um, city departments to get buy-in. We've had very strong support from our administration and our mayor, our city council. That's made a huge positive impact that they've made it clear that sustainability uh, in this plan is a priority. And... They're prepared to budget funds to support its implementation. So we know it's a priority and we know we have strong support of the city. That makes all the difference, I think. So now we're starting the process of implementing the plan and it's, the plan is focused on just a few areas, really. Um, one of those is um, electrifying our fleet. So we've been having meet, meetings with our fleet department and with our transportation department that manages our transit fleet, our buses, paratransit vehicles, plan calls on, on electrifying our entire fleet by 2040, I believe. That's a complicated process. It's it's not as straightforward as you might think. There's, there's a lot of ins and outs to that process. So we're doing a lot of listening, um, trying to understand the challenges of our f- fleet department and trying to support them uh, in this process. We're uh, applying for um, two interns through the um, Environmental Defense Fund Climate Corps internship program for this summer. And if if we uh, secure those, that would be a big boost towards um, electrifying our fleet. We're also working with our Water Management Department and with the General Services Department that I am a part of on some other projects, including um, expanding solar on our buildings and vacant land, uh, increasing energy efficiency in our buildings. Um, We want to do a series of energy audits in all of our buildings. We're in the process of converting all of our lighting to LEDs. We've nearly finished that process in our buildings, and and then we're going to be doing our outdoor lighting, expanding our charging, our EV charging station network over the next few years to support electrification of vehicles is going to be um, a key project as well. So we're just getting started with that process, and um, uh, it's great to have the, again, the solid support of our administration and the buy-in from our city departments.
2: Right. That's, that's definitely helpful. It sounds like you have your fingers in a lot of different activities right now. So I was going to ask you what initiatives are you really looking forward to implement in 2022, but I don't know, it sounds like you have a lot. So maybe, maybe you should just pick your favorite.
5: Well, I think um, electrification of our fleet is going to be an interesting process going forward. It's challenging, but I think it will be exciting to um, start to integrate more electric vehicles into our fleet as as those are becoming more and more available on the market, especially the um, light duty passenger vehicles and light duty trucks. And then we're going to be researching medium and heavy duty vehicles. Um, We had a demonstration of a Electric fire truck recently that was very interesting. We all got a chance to ride around in it, and it was it was fascinating. So those types of vehicles are becoming more and more on the market, and it'll be it'll be exciting to integrate those into our fleet. A Couple other projects this year, we're pursuing certification in the Lead for Cities and Communities program. We had previously um, been certified in uh, the star rating uh, program which was taken over by the U.S. Green Building Council and it's been renamed as the lead for cities and communities program. So um, we've secured two interns um, for this spring semester who will be working with us on, on that process and we're working jointly with Durham County on that. We've been involved in a very exciting project through the um, a grant we received from the Southeast Sustainable Communities Fund three years ago to do weatherization work and um, installing green infrastructure measures in several underserved neighborhoods in our city. It was originally a two-year project that's become a three-year project because of COVID, but we have been successful in weatherizing and doing um, essential repairs on nearly 30 homes, and installing rain gardens and cisterns and other um, stormwater control measures on about 20 homes. And uh, we've got another year to go on that project. So I, I enjoy that project particularly because I feel like it's it's meeting a direct need that people have to improve comfort in their homes and their quality of life. And it's obviously meeting a need that our community needs. So I'm, I'm enjoying working on that project.
2: That sounds really great. So for the rest of, of the year, we have only a few days left, but I really wish you all the best. And uh, we'll be keeping an eye on what's happening in Durham because it's definitely moving along.
5: Thanks, Catherine. It was great being on the podcast. I appreciate the invitation.
0: That was a conversation with Paul Cameron from Durham, North Carolina, hosted by Katherine Baggett-Mercer here on the Green Minds podcast with SSDN. Now, our final conversation, I had the opportunity to talk to John Richardson and Brenna Bauma with Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So this is going to be our final conversation with the Stellar Cities and the SSDN network to hear about what they accomplished in 2021 you're listening to the ssdn green minds podcast and i'm excited to have two individuals from the town of chapel hill first is joining me john richardson he's the community resilience officer and brennan bauma he's a sustainability program analyst for the town of chapel hill how's it going john and brennan you guys doing all right
6: doing well doing great laurel thanks
0: Good. Well, thank you for, for being with us. And I know, Brennan, you had shared that you're only a few weeks into your new role here over at the town of Chubo Hill. So um, I'm sure it's exciting to have new, uh, new area for you to be involved in. And so I'm um, glad that you're able to join us today. But it sounds like John may be taking uh, several of the different questions, but we hope you can chime in as much as you can as well.
6: That sounds great. No, it's, it's a, it is an exciting time, like you say. Um, and I'm I'm just really happy to be able to work so directly with John. Um,
0: so John, your title is Community Resilience Officer. So you can, can you summarize a little bit about what you do?
7: Yeah, so Laurel, my, my job, which I think is probably uh, similar to uh, a lot of positions around the Southeast, is to advance sustainability and resiliency and climate action, uh, both within our organization uh, as a local government and also uh, across the community, so across Chapel Hill. Uh, So this work happens uh, for us within the Office of Sustainability and Resilience, of which Brennan and I are a part. Uh, And we work with a lot of our uh, colleagues and partners in the community to try and uh, get this work done.
0: Great. And then Brennan, the Sustainability Program Analyst, is this a new role or is it a new role that's been created for you?
6: Uh, Well, it's a a new position uh, for uh, the town of Chapel Hill um, created, um, after the town council passed the, um, uh, adopted the, the new climate action and resilience plan, um, and, and also, uh, created some, some resources to help implement that plan. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to, to join the town to help implement that.
0: Excellent. And um, we're
6: fortunate enough to have Brennan join the town to help implement.
0: So, an analyst sounds very numerical.
6: Um, I think there's there's some of that. I'm, uh, I'm I'm still getting my hands on some of that, um, but I'm, I'm dealing with some spreadsheets. I, my, my first job was actually to take the implementation plan that John had had put together um, and to turn it into a spreadsheet so we could sort of track the metrics of uh, of the implementation as we went. Um, and so it's quantitative as much as possible to the extent that it helps us see how far we've come and what's left to do. Um, but, uh, I, I don't have to go much further than Excel to, uh, to get that work done.
0: So, uh, John or Brennan, can you tell me about the town of Chapel Hill? How big is it? Um, do you all have a mayor and a council and how do you work with surrounding municipalities and counties?
1: Yeah.
7: So I think, um, I think if I remember correctly, because I looked this up one time, I think we're about 20 square miles. And I don't know if that means anything to anybody. Uh, Maybe what's more helpful is we're about 60,000 people. Uh, We're a college town. We're home to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, And we are located within the triangle, which which is central North Carolina, the Piedmont. So um, Chapel Hill, Durham, and Raleigh. And uh, some of the surrounding uh, cities and towns as well. So we're we're all we're all pretty connected in this part of, of North Carolina, which is good. And um, so we uh, certainly, as the town of Chapel Hill, you know, we have had great relationships working with our own uh, peer communities here in Orange County, so Hillsborough, Carborough, um, Orange County, and then also we work closely with uh, the counties of Durham and Wake and. Uh, the city of Durham and the city of Raleigh and Cary and other places too. So we have, um, we have uh, yeah, a pretty tight knit group of uh, sustainability folks working in this area.
0: Well, that's, that's found fantastic, John. It's been really interesting to talk to sustainability directors and resilience officers across the Southeast. And um, this 2021 year has been back at it and even more probably productive than previous before the pandemic. And lots of really good work that's being done across the Southeast region. And certainly Chapel Hill sounds like you guys have done some amazing work as well. Um, so I wanted to, to highlight some of those. So Sounds like the Office of Sustainability and Resilience is growing to meet the council's goals and the city's climate challenges. So t- talk to me a little bit about that.
7: Yeah. So as, as Brennan mentioned before, um, the council adopted uh, our climate action plan in April of this year, which was really exciting. Uh, I think our council was really excited to, to have that happen, and it has been uh, energizing in a lot of ways because um, it's really kind of helped focus our work uh, in in really positive uh, ways, and also we we followed that with a more detailed implementation plan that the council reviewed this fall. And so I, I think really for the first time uh, since I've been with the town, uh, yeah. So we've got a really solid roadmap uh, to that. We, both Brendan and I are working uh, hard to to advance, and um, that what's great about this too, as I think Brendan mentioned earlier, is that the not only did the council uh, adopt this plan, but they made an investment in this plan. Uh, and so we've got some resources uh, that we can put towards uh, getting this work done, which is which is really exciting too.
0: And Brett, it sounds like Brennan's position is one of those uh, resources that's been approved and helping to make this reality.
7: That is true, Brennan, yes, Brennan's position, which again, I can't say enough (laughs) about how excited I am that Brennan is here. Brennan's uh, position is part of that. Um, We may even grow the team a little bit more uh, come next year, which is exciting to think about too. Uh, and, And then looking for ways to leverage the dollars that we have uh, and, and work with our existing partners in the community to see if we could stretch those dollars and do more. So um, yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of excitement around this right now. I'm probably more excited about this work uh, and I mean that sincerely than I have been the whole time I've been working with the town. And that's not to say I wasn't uh, enthusiastic before.
0: How long have you been with the town of Chapel Hill, John?
7: 14 years.
0: 14 years, okay. Yeah. A significant amount of time. Um, Okay. So congratulations on that and continue the excellent work um, in in growing and meeting those goals. So also, in addition to that, looks like um, you've done some great work around affordable housing. And that's something I think a lot of cities are working on there. Nashville is, and another city I spoke to earlier this week is as well. Uh, Do you want to share a little bit about that?
7: Yeah. So this, um, and I, I, I won't. Uh, I don't want to take any credit for for the good work that's been done here. But um, the one thing I wanted to share is that uh, you know I think the town, as many communities uh, have felt in the last, uh, certainly in the last ten years or more, is the the importance of focusing on affordable housing. It's a critical, important issue for our community as it is for a lot of communities. And so the town developed a model. We we restructured. Uh, How we how we work on this issue we expanded the staffing. Uh, We we looked at different ways of partnering with with existing partners in the community and um, and the folks who who have done that work have have really made a lot of advancement in that area. Um, And and so I share that because, again, I I don't want to take any credit for it, uh, because I haven't worked on it, but I think that that model led the way and helped uh, our community see that by making uh, some of these strategic investments and supporting these programs with additional staffing that um, some really important, amazing things can be accomplished. And so I, I just appreciate the work that those folks have done uh, who have been working on affordable housing and community connections, because I think it helped, uh, helped our uh, sustainability office uh, be, be positioned to try and do similar types of things in this area. And of course, they're all connected too, and that's that's the good thing is that in our um, climate action plan, you know, we we are trying to draw those uh, those connections, those that kind of systems thinking around around issues like affordable housing and climate action, et cetera.
0: And speaking of the climate plan, looks like your town council adopted the climate action and response plan in April. Um, it's very interesting that it's called climate action and response plan. A lot of cities have resiliency or adaptation. Um, you want to share why did you decide to call it response and um, a little bit about the plan itself?
7: Yeah, so I. Um probably not a lot of people know about this, but the the reason we use the word response is that we had a meeting early on with our, um, we were meeting with some different stakeholders and one of them uh, was uh, the head of the local chamber of commerce. And so we were talking about um, this this climate action plan and um, Aaron Nelson is his name. He, he started saying, well, this, this is really something that we're interested in too but we're also really interested in the resilience of this community from a business standpoint and and from other aspects too. And so I think it was Aaron who said, you know maybe this is not just a climate action plan maybe this is a climate action and response plan. Those were his exact words. And so he was thinking about uh, resilience from the standpoint of the business community and other aspects. So I don't know, I think it just kind of stuck with us. So we we kept it and uh, and um, yeah, it's I, I, I like the story behind it, actually.
0: And then right on the heels of that this past November, uh, town of Chapel Hill also got recognized by CDP and ICLEI as an A-list city. What does that mean, an A-list city?
7: Yeah, so um, uh, CDP Carbon Disclosure Project, this is something we've been participating in as a community for the last several years. Um, and I don't mind saying uh, we, we've been reporting for a while, but we haven't always scored that well. And, and part of the way that um, you can score well as a community um, is that you uh, you have more to say about what you're doing and that you've done more. And so for a while, you know, we had a resilience plan, but we didn't have a climate action plan that was current. Um, and so we, I think we were finally in a position where we had done enough work and, you um, uh, we could say more about where we were headed and what our plans were and, and also that we had taken stock of where we were. So all of those things kind of came together in a good way. Uh, and so it, it um, led to the result of us becoming an A-list city, which just basically means that um, from their standpoint, we're a community that is looking at sustainability and climate action and resilience and that we have plans and, uh, and quality goals, meaningful goals that we're working towards and reporting on.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations on that. Nashville has yet to be an A list down, down all the different areas and the badging. <laughs> um, so that's a huge effort. So congratulations on that. Our town of Chappaqua Hill is at a global covenant of mayor city as well. Yeah,
7: yeah, we we've been a part of that for a while too. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think you're right. It's uh, it's definitely a little bit like pursuing a badge from time to time, but. Um, but uh, we, uh, we were also really fortunate that that was made possible too. We had some, you know, talking about our relationship with UNC Chapel Hill, we had some interns this past year through a program at the university and they were instrumental in helping us actually apply for this again and to put a lot of the information into, uh, in, into that application. So I wanna just also thank them. I don't know that they would be listening or not, but. Um, uh, I want to just acknowledge
6: their good work and their support as well.
0: Well, great. Well, John and Brennan, to add.
6: Well, I, I feel like I've been able to. Th- thanks to John's good work and the town council's resources, you know, this implementation plan it's just been such a a, a great uh, way to get started. Um, and you know, so so John actually had you know a hundred projects or more to uh, to divvy up between us to to work towards um, you know implementing you know, these these actions which were familiar to me from my time with orange county north carolina um, but they were all tied to these goals and these metrics uh, which were so so directly informed um by the science and by the engagement of the that went into the climate action plan so um just been able to to grab hold of that momentum and and carry it in um to a couple of uh, uh grant applications already, um, an analysis of whether or not we should be charging for electric vehicles and the the equity of the distribution of electric vehicle charging stations. Um, Looking forward to to meeting with um, some of our affordable housing and community development uh, staff who, as John said, do do excellent work and um, incorporating the idea that um, utility expenses are a part of overall housing affordability, um, and, uh, and as you mentioned, Laurel, that's that's what a lot—it's on a lot of sustainability directors' minds across the southeast. So, um, yeah, just feel fortunate I can stay in this town, um, be involved in in meaningful work, and um, and uh, have a, a, a teammate to work with. So.
0: Excellent. Where can folks learn more information about your work? Yeah, the
6: um, it's sustainchapelhill.org.
0: That's easy. Sustainchapelhill.org. Well, John and Brennan, it's been a pleasure having you here on the Green Minds podcast. Congratulations on your great successes in 2021. And I'm sure there'll be so many more in 2022. We'll visit back together with you and hopefully see you at the Southeast Sustainability Directors Network regional meeting coming up this spring.
6: Looking forward to it.
0: Thanks, Laurel.
6: Thank
0: you. Thanks, Laurel. Well, this concludes SSDN's Green Minds podcast for this episode of the best of 2021. As we visited with five different cities across the Southeast to hear about the great work that they've been doing in 2021, congratulations to all those and thank you for sharing. Uh, Again, huge thank you from Fulton County's Alex Trachtenberg then over to Winston-Salem with Helen Paplowski, then to Orange County with Jeff Benavidez, then Durham, North Carolina with Paul Cameron, and finishing off with Chapel Hill with John Richardson and Brennan Bauma. Huge thank you to all of them. And on behalf of Catherine Mercer Baggett, my co-host here on the Green Minds podcast, have a happy new year.